Hey, thank you so much for joining us online at Venue Church for another inspirational message from Pastor Corey Cope. If you were impacted by this message in any way, we would love it if you would share it with your friends online. Yeah, real boats rock. to 
what this world could give us from finances to, uh, to amenities like beautiful homes and vehicles and all these things. Yet on the inside, I was completely discontent. And I believe that God had supernaturally made me miserable in the midst of opportunity to prepare me for something that was greater, which is to be here today in Airdrie with you. And I began the journey that day I walked in 2009 into a high school and I sat there and the Holy Spirit said, something's real, you need to stay here. But I was the most bitter pastor's kid. I don't know if you've ever met one, but I was bitter. I was critical of the church. I, I could tell them everything that they did wrong, everything that they should do different, how they didn't see me, recognize me, and notice me. And I spent a lot of time telling them that. Uh, we got, God began to work on me, and I was miserable in, my, in the midst of success. I owned, uh, anybody ever heard of Verizon Wireless? It's a cell phone company. I owned 17 Verizon stores. I managed about 200 employees. I did that for about 13 years. Uh, but like I said, I was completely miserable, and I couldn't figure out why was I so miserable in doing the thing that I was personally so passionate about. I built my own kingdom. I had developed my own uh, own thing that was known. It was my baby. It was Nate's thing, and I did it, and I was great at it. Yet was completely miserable. I couldn't figure it out. This internal wrestling was taking place in my soul, and I began a journey to discover, God, what do you truly have for me? And in that process, started going to church because we had young kids, and the right thing to do when you have young kids is take them to church. That's what you do. You don't do that before you have kids because Sundays are a day to sleep in. Uh, but I made the switch, and we started going to church, and uh, everything I asked God for, he gave me. Everything I complained about, he gave me. And I began a two-and-a-half-year journey of, of transitioning into full-time ministry. I sold my business. In a lot of ways, I burned that plow and uh, went into the church and began this beautiful journey at Substance Church, which is a weird name for a church. Um, but we began this journey of, of trying to discover, God, what do you have for us? And, and I have never been more alive. I've never been more excited about the church. I've never been more excited about reaching people for Jesus. But I will let you know, every single thing I complained about, God gave me responsibility for I complained about the kids' ministry, I oversee that. I complained about the ministry teams, the parking lot, all that stuff, I oversee that. I complained about the people who ran the services, I oversee that. So be careful what you complain about. Amen? Amen. So I serve as the executive pastor. We're a multi-site church with thousands of young adults and weekly attendants. The average age of our church is about... Uh, 29, so 69% of our church is under 29, 74% is under 34. It's a very youthful city, so our church represents kind of the demographics of our city. And uh, But I mentioned my pastor earlier, and uh, my pastor has a crazy story. In fact, uh, uh, really, like I said, I'm here because of him. I, this is not uh, anything to do with me, my chance to get to serve churches and serve in the church. I steward the vision God's given him. I'm a son of the house. My goal and desire is to be there for life. My job, my job is to, to accomplish the vision God gave him because, listen, I believe God's reserved the anointing of David for the lead pastor. And all of us, can and we can walk in the anointing of David's mighty men. Amen? And so sometimes we get messed up and we think it's it's we want the senior pastor anointing. And I God just birthed in me something a long time ago. If I could get behind that, all the dreams that God has for me can be fulfilled under that house. So I want to encourage you. I'll be talking about that later today. If, you, if you're on the team and you're going to come out, like the announcement said, it's so fun to watch yourself. 
on the screen. Uh, but uh, uh, once again, back to my pastor. He actually got saved in a nightclub of all places. In fact, he was a rave DJ, and uh, I, don't, I won't take his testimony, but it's a little bit why we have a weird church named Substance. It's, it sounds more like a nightclub, and many times it feels more like a nightclub, but uh, a part of his salvation story is he actually gave his life to Christ in a nightclub, and then he went all out for Jesus. He freaked out all his friends and his family, and he was all in. He became a pastor shortly after that, and uh, has been in ministry for 25 years, but about a year ago, the Lord began to speak to him about going back into the nightclubs in an evangelistic way to reach people and do things that churches typically do not do, to go where people are at and minister to them. And so uh, it's a, a fun season. And so last year we launched an electronic dance music album. Anybody into EDM in here? I know nothing about it, but I love it. Um, and uh, so Calvin Harris said those kind of things. And so we launched... This uh, project a year ago, and it took off way more than we thought it was going to take off. It climbed all the way to number eight on the iTunes chart. We've had over a quarter million downloads of, of our stuff. And so, if it's cool, I'd like to share you a little sample of what our church has been doing. Because I just want to give you a feel of where we come from. Is that cool with you? All right, if you roll that clip, this will give you an idea. Because of that, I want to honor you, Pastor Corey, 
Aaron, for what you've done to sacrifice, to give up, to surrender daily, to walk in the anointing that God has for you, to walk faithfully towards the goal, your girls being involved here, your girls leading in the ministries, planting this church with you. It's an all-in initiative to see a city and an area of the country changed and transformed for Jesus, and we're going for it, we're going after it, we're not stopping, and the gates of hell will not prevail against you, we're for you, we're behind you, we encourage you, we lift you up, we pray for you, we commit to bless you, we commit to honor you, we commit to walk faithfully with you, we're not going to give up on you in the places where people have uh, uh, failed you, stabbed you in the back, I bless you in Jesus' name, we walk in favor because God has called you and anointed you to this place to reach people in a way that only you can reach them. So let's, let's honor our pastors today. Let me tear this down. This is not false honor. Kingdom is built on honor. We are not of this world. We're of the kingdom, God's kingdom. And our prayer is his kingdom would come, his will would be done. And when culture says that they're skeptical and culture is cynical, we are not of this culture. We're a kingdom culture. So we bless you in Jesus' name. One person I brought with me today, you saw him back here playing keys. You heard him on the video. is Max. Max, would you stand up and wave at everyone? Max is a, a, a really talented, amazing servant of the house, and he serves faithfully uh, to see a vision accomplished as far beyond each of us. And so, hey, real quick, if you, if, uh, once again, I'm here on the reputation of my pastor. If you want to follow him at at Peter Haas 1, it's P-E-T-E-R-H-A-A-S 1, he's going to be posting more free videos later, some content, and in fact, we're, he's going to be with Pastor Corey tonight. We're going to spend some time with him. He's really the talent in the, the mix in our leadership, and so... Uh, but today, I want to talk to you about biblical happiness. Happiness is an interesting subject matter. I think about the weather out there, and I think in this time, we think, hey, man, this is a, we're at a time I'd be much happier living in Southern California than in Airdrie when we get snowstorms. But I'm going to promise you that's not actually true. I want to share this with you. Of course... There's many stats that are out there about happiness. In fact, over the last few decades, there's been many researches done about what contributes to true happiness. And there's actually been a lot of research done on specifically church attendance. And so our church is built on the idea that the number one statistical predictor of church satisfaction in spiritual growth is not how good Pastor Corey preaches. It's not how good the worship experience is. It's actually how many close, intimate Christian friends you have at any given time. Yeah. That's that will mess with you when it comes to what we do in church. But there's been a lot of research done about what truly brings happiness. And it, there's some stats that prove that church attendance actually it decreases clinical depression by 22%. Consistent church attendance will in, has an impact on your wealth. It increases wealth significantly in those, significantly in those people who attend church on a regular basis. Get this, uh, this is way better than those two stats. Sexual satisfaction skyrockets with church attendance. Did you hear me? Okay, get this stat. Women who attend church two times a week have the highest satisfaction rate of any demographic in all of the United States. Come on, church ladies! 
Pastor Hillary, that stat will grow your church right there. And some of you are out there right now, how do I sign up for the membership classes? But we, we shouldn't be shocked by that. If you have any perspective of Scripture, the Bible has been saying this for thousands of years. In fact, we see that King Solomon says this in Ecclesiastes 6.1. He makes the case that happiness and enjoyment operate independently of our circumstances. Keep in mind that uh, King Solomon, he was the wealthiest person at, at this time. He was the, the most brilliant, wise, wealthiest man on earth at this time. And we see in Ecclesiastes 6.1, listen to this. I have seen another evil under the sun, and it weighs heavily on men. God gives a man wealth, possessions, and honor, so that he lacks nothing his heart desires. But that, that God does not enable him to enjoy it. You remember earlier I mentioned my story of, of gathering up wealth and having position and platform and honor and success and all the things that the world would recognize as influence and impact and being a successful person. Really the American dream, right? To be an entrepreneur, to be successful. Yet yeah, it was completely miserable. God gives a man wealth, possessions, and honor. So he lacks nothing in his heart. But God does not enable him to enjoy it. You see, enjoyment is a gift that comes exclusively from God, and it is not dependent on our circumstances. It is possible to get wealth, possessions, and honor, yet to have no pleasure from it, no joy. Does anybody recognize what I'm saying here today? And get it, get this, scientific research proves this. In fact, get this, circumstantial things like money, jobs, geography, remember the weather outside, and marriage only affects happiness by a variance of 10%. Isn't that crazy? 10%. So what accounts for the other 90%? Well, Solomon makes an argument. It's God. It's God. We see in Psalm 62.1, your souls find rest in God alone. Our salvation comes from it. Our souls find rest in God alone. And I, I just can't help but feel that some in this room today feel so restless and they feel like life is so out of control and they can't figure out the distance from where God wants them and where they're at. I want to encourage you today. I believe there's an opportunity for us today at Venue Church to experience the Spirit of God in a way we've never experienced. Let me put it this way. Happiness is not a circumstantial problem. It's a spiritual problem. Apparently God has this, I, I don't know, maybe a way to put it, God has this enjoyment switch or this happiness switch in our life. Yeah. And is it because that God is bad and mean and he wants to just hold us captive to, to his ways and his oppressive God? I think way too many people, even in this room today, have grown up under that religion of oppression that we need to earn God, we need to achieve God. But I truly believe the exact opposite is true. As a parent, I don't let my son know you saw him. I don't. That kid would eat candy all the time. Anybody with me on that? He wants bread and candy. Candy and bread. He just loves the carbs and the sugar. That's all he wants. But as a parent, if I just let him eat whatever he wants, is that good stewardship as a dad? No, I, I, I intentionally limit what he desires because I love him. In the same way, God, God will limit the joy in your life, the happiness in your life, 
until we align ourselves with his purpose. If God knows we're seeking promotion, wealth, or opportunity ahead of his timing, he is going to slow you down. I want you to chew on that a little bit. He is going to intentionally slow you down. Listen, I think God wants us to be fulfilled. He wants us, but he wants us to want him more than we want money, sex, jobs, and relationships. And he's going to remove all the fun until he knows, first, that he is number one in your life, and two, that we have the character to handle the weight of the blessings that he has for us. Because guess what? God already wants to bless you. That's not an issue for God. He just wants to be first in your life. And listen, I don't know when God's going to flip that switch, when, and, and only ultimately God knows when we're ready for us to ultimately receive the purpose and joy into our lives. But I, I will know, I do know this, in my experience, the simplest way to know is if we're ready is if, we're look, if we could just look at our prayers and we can say, are these prayers prayers for circumstantial things? Or are they for God? Circumstantial things or God? Circumstantial things or God? So take a moment, evaluate that in your own life right now. If we're praying for circumstantial things more than character, I'm just going to let you know today, we're out of sync with God. Think about it. If we really believed enjoyment came from God and not our circumstances, we would not spend much time praying to God for circumstantial things. We would be asking for more of Him. In fact, anymore, I mean, for years I wasted time praying for circumstantial things. God, would you bless my business? Would you just make it easier for me? God, would you provide the finances just to, to get me through that next payroll? Would you give me the next store that would fulfill me? And there, guess what? There was never a level that I achieved that brought joy and fulfillment that I find when I surrender daily to God. So I don't waste time praying for God to bless me. I pray God, give me the character worthy of the blessing that you have for me. I don't even pray for promotion anymore. Rather, I pray for promotability. And I think this is an important switch for us to make today. Are you with me? I tell people now, when I have the chance as a pastor to deal with all the idealistic millennials that we have in our church, don't, yeah, all the idealistic millennials, raise your hands because you love being acknowledged. There they are. I tell, you, I tell them, don't pray for the perfect spouse. Pray for the character, character worthy of a great spouse. Listen, from a person who's had all the money you want, don't pray for finances. Pray for the, the stewardship worthy of the finances that God can provide you. Because in the end, the real question is this. Do your souls have the integrity to handle the weight of the dreams that you have? It's an important question. Listen, church, opportunity and promotion have never been a problem for God. God could snap his fingers today and triple your, quadruple your income, 1 Samuel 2.7. Sure. But if we don't have the character and intimacy with God to sustain those responsibilities, then we're going to end up losing them or we won't be able to enjoy it anyways. In fact, I believe this. God will intentionally test this every once in a while to reveal what's in our hearts, not to be mean, but to help us get our focus right. And how does he do it? 
Well, sometimes he does it by letting things in our life get totally out of control. Let's be honest, we actually don't know truly what's in us until we've been out of control. Anybody ever felt out of control in this room? You ever felt just circumstances are maybe this year you feel completely out of control. Max and I were driving on the highway today, and uh, I have to give it up for the Canadians. You were amazing drivers in this weather. Uh, we saw a few cars in the ditch, but there's a semi in front of us, and it began to fishtail, and it fishtailed right, it fishtailed left, it fishtailed right, it fishtailed left. Cars are flying all out of the place. He recovers and begins to just drive on the highway. I'm proud of you. You guys are great. Let me give you a personal story. Uh, another example of being out of control. This made my wife feel crazy out of control. She was texting me something about a person, uh, and it was not a nice text about that person, and then she texted it to that person. I was a moment of feeling out of control. Have you ever done that? Uh, one time I had a, a manager in one of my stores text, uh, he was trying to text me that he's going to fire this employee, terminate them, but he texted that employee that he's going to terminate them. That He kind of felt out of control. Uh, if you get to know me at, at, at all, you would know that I'm very uh, OCD, I'm very obsessive, compulsive about things, I'm very particular, particularly with my cars. I like my, and I have, I've had little kids, and little kids do not keep your cars clean. They have crushed Cheerios everywhere, down into the crevices, and like, how did it ever get there? How does this exist? Why does it smell that way? How did, like, and so I, for years, I didn't even let my kids ride in my car. We're like, I'll take the minivan with my wife. And so, uh, but I just love a clean car. In fact, my goal is always to keep my car as clean as long as possible to cherish that new car smell. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? We love the smell of chemicals. It's so good. And over the years, I've had several new cars, but I've had this problem with my new car. So I, I bought this brand new car. And the first week I owned it, I'm driving, and, uh, and then I back into the full trash bin in our driveway, and I smash in the whole entire tailgate. So that's my first new car. My second brand new car, uh, my wife's driving it, and someone backs into the side of the, 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 the van we bought in the parking lot at a restaurant. Uh, my third new car, I was backing out of my uh, garage, and I ripped the mirror off the garage in the first week of owning it. My fourth new car, taking an exit, all these pipes begin to fall off the back of a truck, and it smashes the underneath of our car within the first week. My fifth new car, I'm in, the, in front of my friend's house, and it's the first day I own it, and he had this metal pipe hanging off a water heater for some reason in front of his house, and my wife said, can I take the new car? It's the first day we own it, it rips the whole front bumper off the car. Uh, my sixth new car, I happen to be at a, one of those pumpkin patch things with my kids and I back up into a car uh, and smash it in the first week I owned it. My seventh new car, my wife backs into someone at the restaurant and smashes the bumper. In the first week, my eighth new car, I just bought two months ago. And I made a commitment, brand new truck, it's the most manly truck, I've been, I've been wanting this truck forever, black on black, black rims, you would love it, Corey, fully decked out, has leather, not letting the kids in this truck, I got the special material that they sold me on the front that I got scammed into, I got the special floor mats in it, 
and I am going to drive this puppy like I am in, in driver's ed all over again. My hands are on 10 and 2. I'm driving slow. This is going to be the car that in three years from now you're going to get in it and be like, is this a new car? Because I've kept it so clean. And I begin to take care of it, and I'm like, I, I will. I am not going to mess this car up. I, as backup camera, this thing has so many cameras. Like, they give you a drone to fly over it, to watch it. It's just... It's, it's safe. Airbags everywhere. It's crazy. And so, um, but my sister-in-law happened to be visiting that weekend, and she just parked a little off-center. This is two months ago. It's the first day I own it. I drive the new truck home. She parks a little off-center. I have to get up at 5 a.m. to leave for work. And in my mind, I'm like, I can do this. I'm being careful. I have backup cameras. I know what I'm doing. I used to valet parking college. I am really good. At this point, you probably think I'm crazy. I promise you, none of those circumstances are truly my fault. But I begin to back out, and I'm making this most beautiful cut. I can see there's about an inch. I don't know if that translates in Canadian, but about an inch of space, about this much space. And I'm trying to back out. I'm going to miss your car, and I have it lined up perfectly. And I just turn the wheel just a little too much, and I literally scrape the whole entire side of my brand new truck as I back out of my garage and I began to weep and cry. <laughs> but listen, some of you, that describes your whole entire year. Maybe it's not a vehicle. Maybe it's your reputation. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's your physical body. Anybody in this room? And you just feel completely out of control. I want to promise you this. God can reverse your fortunes just like this. I truly believe it. Let's look here at Psalms 145.16. It says, He opens up His hands and satisfies the desires of every living thing. It's literally nothing for Him. But how? We ask the question, how? God is not looking for perfect. He's looking for promotable. God's not looking for striving. He's looking for surrender. And if we could rid ourselves of the need to control everything all the time, God will take us on a ride that we will never forget. You see, for me, I just needed to let go. I'm okay with the scratch on the car now. It's okay. It's like a battle wound. It's like a scar. I'm very proud of it. And I had to learn to let go to control like I did in my business. I had to learn to let, let go of perfect things. Listen, kids will beat that out of you anyways. To let go of the need to have perfection and totally trust God. And he's going to promote you. I truly believe it today. And I, I can't help but sense that in this room today, that God has promotion for you. He has healing for your physical bodies. He has resources for your marriage that you've maybe never experienced in your whole life. He has access to something that is greater than anything this world can ever give you, and that's Him. Yeah. And I truly sense that today, Holy Spirit saying, would you open your heart to simply receive the goodness and grace and mercy of God? And maybe it won't happen in your timeline, the way you want, how you want it, but I truly believe that God has provision for you. He has grace for you. He has joy for you. I truly believe that God has financial provision today for some in this room that feels so lost. Maybe you lost your job, 
feel like there's no hope, you feel like there's no direction for you, I believe that we serve a God that can snap his fingers, open up his hands. Let me share a story with you. I think it will encourage you. Um, it's fun to show the video of our church and everything. It looks awesome, right? And multiple locations, thousands of people in attendance. But uh, I feel like I can stand up anywhere with the integrity that, that comes with a lot of sacrifice, surrender, and wounds, and even betrayals. Um, I'm sure all of you here never betray each other. I'm sure this church, you just wake up every morning and have trust falls, and you just bless each other. They were just trust falling all over the rally earlier. Everyone just loves each other, and you all get along, and you all just are perfect. But our church, we, we're not that perfect. But our church had a horrible time finding property. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, the, the cities that we're in, in, in the state of Minnesota, they're very antagonistic against churches. Uh, getting property, uh, even renting schools, renting facilities, or, or securing any type of property. And before I came on staff to help lead the church, I served on the board as the church, and I spent several years uh, vetting out properties. And we went through nine different property opportunities, and we're told every single time, absolutely not. We spent thousands and thousands of dollars to vet out uh, different locations for our church because we had lit it out as a church. We couldn't even do any more uh, yet. We, and we had millions of dollars in the bank, yet we couldn't spend it to save our life. And it began to create some discouragement. In fact, during that time, we had some of those awkward staff transitions where someone just leaves because God called them and they went and they didn't even talk to you. They just told you they were going. Uh, they didn't submit to a process to actually uproot themselves well and care for the place that they were in. They just left and went somewhere else. And, uh, and then at the same time, we couldn't get a property. And, and honestly, there's people in our church that really began to question the leadership. They began to question our leadership, Pastor Peter's leadership, and, and really said, hey, you do a good thing here, but I don't really know if you guys know what you're doing. And, and in that season of time, we lost over 1,000 people. Uh, in a very short period of time, we lost about 10 key staff members. And uh, it was just a discouraging season of our church. Uh, we had been the ninth fastest growing church in the United States uh, just right before that. And uh, no one keeps stats on the ninth fastest shrinking church, but we maybe have made that one. And then we began to bleed people, and it was just a hard time. And during that process, my pastor, Pastor Peter, began to really question, um, is this what he even should be doing? And he's really discouraged. And he had, he had reached a place that he couldn't even fake it anymore. He couldn't hide it from us as a leadership team. He couldn't hide it from his family. And because of that discouragement, he has a daughter named True, like true and false. And she began to pray for her parents and pray for her dad and, and specifically to pray for the church and the future of the church. And I can't help but think in this moment about your four girls and how God's using them to grow this church, how God's using them to expand the kingdom here. It's never discount what's in them. Because guess what? They're still innocent. They're not jaded yet like we are. And then God will speak in crazy ways to our kids. And, and she kind of has a per crazy prophetic gift in a way. It's just like she hears from God, if you know what I mean. And so they, they had owned this house when they left to plant our church. And it was about... Uh, it was a very a scaled down home in a very uh, crime ridden area of the city, and they owned this house forever. And we we kind of hit our recession, and it was really hard to sell a home at this time. And the realtor just said, "Hey, it's going to be about 160 days on average to sell a home like this in your neighborhood." And so they were pretty discouraged by that. But uh, the daughter True came to Pastor Peter and Carolyn, 
and said, hey, God spoke to me about our house. It's going to sell in exactly five days, and you're going to get your asking price. You're actually going to be discouraged on Saturday, but on Sunday, you're going to get the asking price, and it's going to sell. And so the exact thing ended up happening. On Saturday, they got a lot of feedback and was super negative. And on Sunday, they got their asking price. And so they began to listen to their daughter a little more intently. Well, about a year and a half later, she's 10 years old, and we're in this season of discouragement, this season of obscurity, this season of unknownness for our church, really our wilderness season as a church. And Pastor Peter's discouraged. We're all kind of discouraged, and we just show up, and we keep doing church. And I don't know if you've ever been there. You just show up at your job, and you just keep doing your job. You show up in your marriage, and you just show up, and you, you cohabitate more than you are in a marriage. You show up in any key relationship you may have, and you just exist in it. And we were kind of in that waiting season of existing, but it did not feel like waiting. It felt like knives in our back. It felt like pain. It felt like hurts. During that season, uh, the daughter True comes up to Pastor Peter, and, and we could get this. We could not get a building to save our lives. I can't even describe how crazy it was. We literally had a city tell us there's no way in the world you'll have a church in our city. They told us that, but they did not use the word world. They used another word to describe how antagonistic they would be against us. And so during this season, his daughter True just prayed, God, would you just reveal to me what you have for substance in regards to a facility? And so this is what the Lord spoke to her. The Lord spoke to her about a specific facility. She goes up to her dad and says, hey, dad, God spoke to me about a facility that substance is going to get. And you're going, to look, you're going to make a decision by next Thursday. You're going to decide in your heart to go for it. You're not going to get it right away, but you're going to decide in your heart to go for it, and you will get it when you can afford it. Also, it has a double layer to it. And he's like, a balcony? He's like, yeah, a balcony. And it's covered in red. And so he's kind of like, this is the weirdest thing in the world. First of all, we've looked at no less than 300 different properties in the metropolitan area. The Twin Cities is about 3.9 million people. We had looked at every single space available, and I was so exhausted. We had seen every auditorium, every possible venue that could exist. And so Pastor Peter, the skeptic that he is, is like, how am I going to find this building? But she had such specific details, and he remembered the last time that she spoke uh, this way, but he also got really skeptical, and, and, and he felt the Lord rebuke him in that moment and say, Peter, is anything too difficult for me? Is anything too difficult for me? And so he shut up and listened, and, by, and this was about Thursday of the previous week. By Tuesday of that week, nothing had happened, and he felt, is this one of those moments where I'm going to have to go to my daughter and say, we don't always hear from the Lord. <laughs> but that day, a guy on our staff named Nate uh, calls Pastor Peter, and there's this last-minute call we got from this other guy named Paul, and, and, uh, and we, got, we had a, a, an opportunity to go look at this historic facility in downtown Minneapolis, right in the skyline, 126-year-old church, and uh, so he calls Pastor Peter and said, hey, I forgot to tell you, but we had this opportunity to come look at a facility. I know it's your sermon writing day, but I just wanted to know if you wanted to come check it out with us, and he's like, does it have a balcony? What does it look like? What does it look like? Give me details. He's like, 
I don't know, just show up. And so about an hour and a half later, we're scheduled to show up there. Well, his daughter is getting ready for school and actually overheard the conversation. And says, Dad, you're going to be looking at a building, aren't you? And uh, he goes, yeah, Dad, the Lord spoke to me about it. He said, it has a double layer to it, it has a balcony. It's covered in red. And you'll know it's the one when you look up and say, wow. And so these are the descriptions. So a couple hours later, we're in downtown Minneapolis looking at this building. And I'm in attendance, yet I don't know any of this background of this story. I'm just there. My pastor is kind of gregarious. He's kind of really kind of crazy, outgoing. And he has his iPhone, and he's running around snapping pictures all over this auditorium. And he's literally freaking out. He's just, we as like a leadership team saying here, he's just literally just running over, and he's snapping pictures. Uh, and before he came down, I mentioned it, he said, uh, the daughter said, you know, this is the one when you look up and say, wow. And I'm standing about 10 feet from him. He's over there. And I see him look up. And if you all look up at this facility, there's nothing really impressive about the ceiling in an auditorium. But he looks up, and I hear him say, wow. And he's just freaking out. He's taking pictures. And uh, he remembered in that moment what his daughter said. You'll know this is the one when you look up and say, wow. Why don't you go ahead and show the picture here? This is the ceiling. Wow, right? Pretty impressive. So we began to look at this facility. I mean, it was so impressive. It just seemed like Pastor Peter had this Holy Spirit buzz all over him. And he's running around the facility. And then just joy began to overwhelm him. Joy began to overtake him. It really felt possible again. The things that felt so out of control seemed like they really could be coming to fruition in our church. I wanted to show you something. Uh, uh, a few hours later, uh, we had left and we went to his home and, and his daughter went to school that day. And she said, uh, the Lord told me to draw a picture of the facility. And I wanted to know, is this the facility that you saw? And remember, she's 10 years old. If you could put this picture up. And you could see that day at school, she drew Provided us two buildings, actually. Um, 
I'm a twin. I think God loves twins. He provided us a double blessing within that year. And if you could actually, uh, I'll show you one picture. Here's our first service we did in downtown. It's a 1,300 seat auditorium with overflow for 2,100 total. We're doing a multi-million dollar renovation on it right now. We meet in there full time. In fact, we had to already go to two services. So many people caught the vision of what God can do. And then if that wasn't enough, he provided another building. And here's a side-by-side -side of uh, our, 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 our other full uh, permanent facility and our downtown facility. See, I just, I, I couldn't help but shake that God wants to encourage you today. And I think that there's many in this room who are just possibly discouraged. And God wants to remind you, he is still alive. And he's still at work on your dreams. And if we could just get it right and stop trying to control everything and give God the opportunity, God has a more important agenda than building our dreams, church. And what is that? He wants to build us. He wants to build us. And so today, I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you're going through. But I will say this. The sooner we get our prayers in line, in line with God's priorities, the sooner we will get in line with his provisions. So I want to invite you in right now. If you could close your eyes with me. And if we could just take a moment as I read this scripture over you. Ecclesiastes 2.26 says, To the man who pleases God. He gets wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases God. Holy Spirit, I speak wisdom and knowledge and happiness that comes from you over this congregation today. I speak for joy and peace to begin to define us. I speak in the act of surrender today, that your spirit would be made manifest in the situations that seem impossible in this room. I invite you through the power of your son, Jesus Christ, who died for our sins and rose again, and you sent your Holy Spirit for us to go and penetrate hearts in this room right now who feels so far from you. God, you are close. You are ever-present. You are in our situation. You are in our circumstance right now. To those in this room who feel out of control, maybe those in this room who've tried to control too much, for those in this room who've been praying for circumstantial things, God, would you break our heart again in this moment in an act of surrender? And I invite you, Holy Spirit, right now to speak into this room. Would you speak into marriages? Would you speak into broken situations? Would you release the, 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 the anointing of truth with grace right now? We invite you, God. We invite you, Holy Spirit. If this spoke to you today, you just have felt out of control. You felt like maybe those prayers have been your prayers. You've been praying for God just to do things for you and not just praying for more of God. If you would, just entrust me right now in this moment with an act of surrender again that I think we all can make at times. And you 
just really want to rededicate or dedicate your life to Christ again in this moment, say, God, would you change me? Would you transform me? Would you renew my mind? Would you give me strength that's not of this world, but it's of you? If that's you, just put your hand up as an act of faith. Say, you just need it. I surrender again to you in this moment. See all those hands. And I sense the Holy Spirit when the pour out a joy that doesn't even make sense to you. To pour out his love and his provision. Listen, we do not serve an antagonistic God. We serve a God of joy, a God of peace, a God who's for you. He's your advocate. He's your heavenly father. He wants to take care of you. He wants to walk with you. He wants to bless you and he wants to anoint you. So if we all could, as the band begins to come back up, as an active surrender, would you stand with me right now? In this place of dedication before you, God, in a place of declaration to you, Heavenly Father. Would you restore unto us the joy of our salvation? Would you renew a right spirit within us, God? And we pray this, do not take your Holy Spirit from us. Do not take your Holy Spirit from us. But restore unto me the joy of my salvation. For my soul will only find rest in you. For my soul finds rest in God alone. We bless you, God. We honor you and we thank you for what you're willing to do if we just daily step into a place of sacrifice, a daily of surrender, a daily act of just giving ourselves up fully to experience every single thing that you have for us. You want to bless us. You want to pour out your spirit. And so we receive it today. And if you're with me with your hands stretched up as an act of declaration to God, I believe you, God. I believe you, God. I believe you, God. I trust you with my whole heart. I trust you with my whole self. And as we go into the song of worship, I want to invite you again, if you would, to dedicate yourself to him. You see, a hand raised is just a hand raised. It's not what we do outwardly. It's the internal desires that are within us. This is just an outward expression of an internal desire with God. Hey, we hope you enjoyed this inspirational message from Pastor Corey Cope. If you'd like to partner with us, please go to venuechurch.ca slash give. Yeah, because a life saved is worth everything.